What's up, cyber and crypto friends? Hope everybody had a great week this week. Today is Friday, September 20th of 2019, and this is episode 87 of the Cybersecurity and Cryptocurrency Podcast. I'm your host, Eric English. All the views and opinions expressed on this podcast are solely my opinions and do not reflect that of my employer. All right, some pretty cool stuff this week. Most of it today will be about cryptocurrency related news, but I do still have news on a lot of other things as well in cybersecurity. So we're going to talk a little bit about the Google Calendar issue. Also going to talk about smart TVs and what's wrong with those. Also going to talk about a recent payment card breach. And then a pretty cool tool that I found to help you bypass 802.1x protocol on Wi-Fi. So I'll I'll post that in the show notes as well. Uh, We'll talk about some more data leaks, of course. Seems to be the the norm these days. And last but not least in cybersecurity, a little bit about Facebook. On the cryptocurrency side of things, we're going to also talk about Facebook and their Libra crypto that they're still trying to come out with. going to talk a little bit also about Verizon and some new tech that they're looking at. Also going to talk about JP Morgan and another Singapore-based bank. Of course, we'll talk about all the prices in the market right now and what the, the trends are looking like. We'll also touch on a new thing coming up from Wells Fargo. And probably the most interesting thing in cryptocurrency this week is a company called CypherTrace. They're a blockchain forensics firm. So we'll talk about that as well. All right, so to kick things off here, we'll start in cybersecurity. If you haven't already heard this news, this came out a couple days ago. Google had a uh, pretty bad configuration setting tied to their Google Calendar service, and it left a whole bunch of calendars inadvertently open to the public. Of course, Google has since fixed this flaw, but wow, that's that's pretty pretty bad right there. If if you use Google Apps for Business, you might want to check on this as well and see if you were potentially impacted by this. And so essentially, the way that Google used to share their calendar was through a link, right? So you could just send somebody a link to your Google Calendar. And so when you create that link, so here's the problem here. You create that link to your calendar, right? And then guess what? All the search bots like Google, Yahoo, Bing, they can now go out and crawl that link. And if you've made that link open and, you know, you didn't share it out with the correct privacy settings, then you could search for your calendar on Google and pull it up just fine. So pretty big blunder there. And some people might think, yeah, big deal. It's my calendar. I don't really care. But there could be, you know, specific meetings on your calendar that could potentially be sensitive and you don't necessarily want everybody to see. But some people may not think it's as big of a deal. But it's certainly an interesting way to find this. It's not really even a vulnerability. I guess it's just kind of a a backdoor into the Google calendars there. All right, some other news here about smart TVs. This one was pretty irritating, but I'm not surprised. Uh, Researchers discovered that TVs from Samsung, LG, and others, all the smart TV folks, they are sending sensitive user data to partner tech firms even when those TVs are idle. So yet again, here's another IoT device that is technically spying on you and leaking information to companies such as Facebook, Amazon, Google, and Netflix. Apparently some Roku devices were also labeled in this 
article. And so they're saying that the the types of information that was being sent back was the the TV model, make model, serial number, all that kind of good stuff, the Wi-Fi network name, any kind of Wi-Fi identifiers, MAC addresses, any of that kind of stuff. But also they were saying on some of these TVs they have some built-in pixels on the TV that can actually tell what's going across the screen and then report that back to Facebook and whoever else. So they can literally see what you're watching. So, wow, that's <laughs> pretty bad there. Um, anyway, you guys can see the whole article. I'll post it in the show notes there. But yet another privacy blunder that we all have to worry about. All right, some other news here about payment card breaches. So there was a big vulnerability in a municipality payment software. Uh, the same software that was used in a breach of hundreds of thousands of payment cards back in 2017 this same software has been targeted yet again and it targeted eight cities and it's using a self-service bill paying portal kind of thing so when you you know you get a speeding ticket or whatever and you go out there to pay it yourself this is the type of software that it uses so the impacted towns are deerfield beach florida palm bay florida milton florida Coral Springs, Bakersfield, California, Pocatello, Pocatello, excuse me, Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, and Ames, Iowa. So kind of all over the place, but a lot of that centralized there in uh, Florida for whatever reason. And of course, guess what? These towns were operating unpatched versions of Click2Gov software, and here you go. Boom. They're getting exploited once again. So you're making payments to get your speeding ticket taken care of, and oh, by the way, you just got your credit card compromised as well. Yikes. One more reason to not ever use your debit card. Always, always, always use a credit card, not a debit card for every transaction you make. All right, also found a pretty neat tool out there on kitploit.com. I'll post it in the show notes. It's for bypassing 802.1x authentication on wireless networks. Pretty cool stuff there. You got to get, uh, they did it on basically a, a Raspberry Pi knockoff called Odroid and two wireless NIC cards. And it's pretty, pretty cool stuff. So I'll, I'll post that in the show notes as well if you want to tinker around with that. All right, some other news here, data leak news. A big mattress company leaked 387,000 customers' data. It's a Milwaukee-based mattress company called Verlo Mattress. And of course, they had a database on the internet that did not have a password on it. <laughs> oh, man. So I can only assume that it's a Mongo database or maybe a Kibana database, potentially. But yet again, another data leak there. All right, some other news here about Facebook. And the only reason I'm bringing this up is because this is... It seems like it's a repeat story, like we've heard this before from Facebook. They just came out uh, today and said that they suspended tens of thousands of apps which were suspected of hoarding data similar to the Cambridge Analytica stuff. Wow, they're just now decomming these apps? Tens of thousands of these apps were decommed from Facebook. Tens of thousands. <laughs> And it's been this long after Cambridge Analytica that they're just now doing this. Wow. Well, I think we're a little far behind there, aren't we, Facebook? But it seems like they come out every few months and say this. Oh, we've deactivated all of these fake 
Facebook accounts. Oh, we, we got rid of all these fake apps or whatever it is, privacy-related things. It seems to be a monthly story. It just keeps repeating. But tens of thousands of apps were, were recently decommissioned from Facebook, so you can no longer use whatever those apps were. But of course, it was sending all kinds of private information. You know, anything that you had in your Facebook profile, including phone number, email address, home address, uh, who your friends are, any kind of interests, hobbies, all that stuff, anything that's on your Facebook profile was being sent back to these app developers. So yet again, another reason to not use Facebook. <laughs> I know that's not going to happen for a lot of folks, but if you do use it, just be really, really cautious. Don't put a whole lot of information out there. All right, so flipping over to cryptocurrency side of things, Facebook is also making some news on that side as well. Facebook is now pushing to launch Libra upcoming here in 2020, and apparently they're going to go ahead and release it despite all the regulators' pushback. They're like, eh, screw it, we're going to go ahead and release it anyway. So I don't know how well that's going to go over with regulators and everybody, but I guess we'll see. Now, they didn't say exactly what, what month of 2020. Uh, I realize we're just a couple months away from 2020. And maybe they'll have a harder date uh, as we approach 2020 there. But they're saying they're going to go ahead and launch in 2020. So watch that drama unfold. All right, some other crypto-related news. Verizon, the telecom giant, they recently acquired a patent to create virtual SIMs on a blockchain. So the SIM cards that go in your cell phones... Verizon wants to make these now virtual and put them on a blockchain. So that's kind of an interesting deal there. Of course, they just got the patent for it. They haven't actually rolled this out or, or anything like that, but certainly cool to think about there. And especially with all the SIM SIM card hacks and whatnot that have been going on over the last month or so, the SIM swapping attacks and all that kind of stuff, hopefully this sort of technology would prevent a lot of that stuff. All right, some other crypto news here. JP Morgan and their new blockchain payment network just onboarded its first Singapore-based bank. Uh, the Singapore bank is OCBC Bank. So JP Morgan's making quite a bit of headway on this blockchain payments space here. So, And what's interesting is you don't really hear much about it in the public. You don't see it if you use JP Morgan. I haven't seen it on anything that I do. I have a Chase checking account. I have not seen any of this stuff on there. Um, so it's interesting that they're using this blockchain stuff, but the actual consumers can't use it. It's all back-end related stuff. In similar news, Wells Fargo, they're also going to come out with their new digital cash for internal transfers, and they're saying it's faster, cheaper, and definitely more efficient than Swift. Swift was kind of the, the go-to, and now that cryptocurrency and blockchain and all that stuff is out, Wells Fargo is going to take full advantage of that, just like JP Morgan is doing, and they're going to create their own. So the innovation lead over there at Wells Fargo said that she's going to push for this and we're going to get it done. It's going to be better than Swift. I think you're a little late to the game. JP Morgan's got you beat, but I guess we'll see there. I also saw some other news here about Coinbase. I don't think I mentioned this, but they are looking at listing 17 new digital assets on their Coinbase platform. So quite a few there that they're looking at adding. I haven't heard of a lot of these cryptos other than Telegram, which is the newest cryptocurrency from the Telegram folks that make the Telegram app. But some of these other ones were Celo, uh, Chia, Coda, Definity, Filecoin, Handshake, Mobilecoin, Near, Oasis, Orchid, Polkadot, Space Mesh. 
haven't heard of any of those really but i still don't know how many of these cryptos we need it just seems like there's a new one every day how many ways to pay something do we really need but anyway that's kind of interesting that coinbase is finally branching out a little further they've obviously got the majority of the heavy hitters already but they're they're branching out a little bit further there so that'll be kind of cool all right some prices now in crypto bitcoin's kind of trading sideways we're at ten thousand one hundred and twenty three dollars right now ethereum has made quite the run i think last episode i was griping about how low it was and all of a sudden today it's at 215 i think last episode it was around 170 i want to say maybe even less so that's interesting to see that ethereum's jumping back up like that and a lot of the uh, crypto twitter folks are saying that Ethereum's got the bullish look that it did back in 2017. Although Bitcoin has a bear cross, apparently Ethereum now has a bullish trend, they're calling it. So interesting to see what happens there, but overall it's been good to see that Ethereum's up. Uh, Ripple also made quite the jump and then recently fell back down, but they were up to, I want to say 32 cents the other day. Now they're back down to 29 cents. So last week they were at 25, 26 cents. Still pennies, really. Bitcoin Cash is at 311, Litecoin's at 74. So I'm really curious to see how Ethereum does over the next few months, if this is really another breakout for them. Because also, too, think about this, there will be no more mining on the Bitcoin network coming up in probably, I don't know, the next six or eight months. They're going to have mined all of the next batch of coins that you can possibly mine in bitcoin maybe not six months it might take a little longer nonetheless there will be no more mining for bitcoin so i wonder if people look at that and think oh i need to switch over to ethereum there's really no problem if you're not mining for bitcoin necessarily you still need miners to process transactions so people that have all the mining gear and whatnot will still be able to run the network and and process all the transactions they just won't be creating any new crypto uh, they will basically get fees and whatnot from those various transactions as they validate them and ethereum 2.0 is still on the horizon as well they're already talking about their test net is out so very very cool stuff coming from them as well and they're moving away from mining as well they're moving to proof of stake i suspect though that it'll be a, a hard fork and ethereum will, will remain and they'll just have a hard fork to ethereum 2.0 but certainly good to see the prices on the upward trend even though bitcoin has been on the downward trend finally we get the reverse there usually it's as soon as bitcoin goes down everything goes down but it's been quite the opposite over the last week or so all right the last thing i wanted to talk about in cryptocurrency is the blockchain forensics firm called CypherTrace, and apparently they developed some sort of a tool for flagging bitcoin and ethereum tokens that have some sort of a criminal past so they're calling their product CypherTrace scout and it basically gives what they're calling street level investigators more freedom to identify track and document illicit crypto transactions from the field and apparently they're pairing up with law enforcement experts as well so they're going to start tracking these transactions that are going down that they think are related to criminal activity so there's other companies out there that do something very similar uh, there's another one called chain analysis 
They do a lot of that stuff for the IRS to see who's using cryptocurrency and not reporting it. Now, the FBI has used some of that as well, especially for the ransomware stuff that they're trying to stop. So this isn't anything new necessarily, but it's yet another company doing the same thing. And I've never used any of these tools, but I don't understand or know how they determine where these transactions originated from. I, I, just, I just don't get it, really. How do they know that it's a criminal-based transaction. That's the part that I just I just don't know. Unless, you know, it's on some posted on some website as a static Bitcoin address that never changes, then of course they could follow that, any payments to that. But I mean what else what else would trigger that? I just I guess I don't I don't have enough insight into that to see what these guys are, are looking at and how they're able to flag these transactions. So how does this make you feel as you use your cryptocurrency and you've been told that it's private and it's anonymous and all those great things and yet here you've got a company uh, yet another company that's doing blockchain analysis and they're able to apparently figure out where these malicious transactions are going so it does provoke a lot of thought there some other thought-provoking things i was thinking about today google announced uh, their next quantum computing system it's already essentially built and ready to go and ibm also released theirs as well last week uh, ibm's won't be ready till i think october which is just another month away and anybody that uses their quantum services can use those new quantum computing computers so here's the big question for cryptocurrency as it stands right now most cryptocurrency uses ecdsa encryption and it's it's worked up to this point right everything's good it's difficult to hack all that good stuff well if quantum computing gets released to the public and just anybody can get on there and, and do whatever they want imagine how many bitcoin wallets they could crack i mean they could crack millions of bitcoin wallets in you know several minutes if they wanted to also consider the use for using quantum computing for mining crypto i mean holy smokes that would be just incredible to think about obviously you'd have to have specially designed software to work with the quantum computers and i have no clue how to even think about accomplishing that but certainly something i've been thinking over in my head and it kind of scares me a little bit for crypto if they don't change their encryption algorithms here pretty soon that's going to put an entire industry at risk at big time risk so hopefully google and ibm there's another company too that does the the quantum computing that you can basically rent out for a little while you have to have some sort of a i think a grant or whatever from the government to even be able to touch the quantum computer so i guess that's good at least the government knows what's going on with it but if that gets into the hands of the wrong person man I mean, we're talking crazy crazy stuff for the bitcoin industry or cryptocurrency industry as a whole pretty much every crypto out there uses ecdsa so i've heard various people um, in in different articles saying that they're working on the next gen that's next gen cryptography that's going to be quantum proof or whatever but i mean think about how much change is going to have to happen across the cryptocurrency space to be able to change all of that encryption algorithms I mean, there's, there's how many cryptos are out there? There's tens of thousands, right? And if we finally do make this quantum-proof encryption algorithm, all of these cryptos are going to have to update to that. That is a huge, huge undertaking, but it will definitely need to be done. And all these spin-off 
or forks of Bitcoin have just basically stole Bitcoin's code, labeled it something else, and sold it, right? So everybody's using ECDSA. So anyway, hopefully the quantum computing stuff doesn't get into the wrong hands, and hopefully that all stays on the up and up. But as soon as it gets to the public, man, I can't even imagine what that's going to mean for for crypto. All right, folks, that's all I've got for today. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at CyberCryptoGuy, at CyberCryptoGuy on Twitter. Check me out on there. I retweet a bunch of the articles we talk about here on the show. Thanks for listening and have a great weekend.